On today's episode of The Investing Revolution, we're going to talk about how to scale your investment portfolio with Gwen Aspen. This is The Investing Revolution, a podcast designed to help your real estate investment strategy. On this podcast, we'll teach you the actionable steps to take and pitfalls to avoid so that your real estate investing can thrive. Welcome to The Investing Revolution. I am your host, Jonathan Cook, and with me is my sometimes host, Christine Bennett. <laughs> Hi, hey, guys. Christine. Welcome. We're like, we're back together. I know. It's I all fun. You too. We're, well, we're in Vegas, so it's yeah. a fun place. And with us, we have a special guest, Gwen Aspen. How are you today? I am great. Gosh, like the it? energy on this podcast. I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. everybody missed all the fun energy beforehand. <laughs> we were talking about dazzling <laughs> features and being all fancy. It was great. Yeah, That's the kind of energy I'm that we want to bring to this. We're, we're right, in Jonathan? Vegas. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Fabulous, <laughs> stunning, all the words. Uh, I heard I was fancy. So today, guys, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about scalability. So when we talk about real estate investing, um, I, I think we have given quite a bit of the steps, Christine, for how to start, right? Mm -hmm. How do you start? How do you get into this? What do we do? What are the first steps? We've gotten through that. I think we've made quite a few uh deep dives into how to get started how to build your strategy so let's say maybe you have your first house second house third maybe how do you continue to scale that to the point where you can stop worrying about the little stuff mm. so we have a fantastic guest to talk about scalability and that's gwen gwen do you want to give us just a little bit of a kind of background of you in this industry where you are now and then we can kind of get why you're here to talk about scalability because of course but hold Absolutely. on do not be humble like uh, we we need to like <laughs> oh yeah don't be humble. Yeah. i'm not humble uh, <laughs> christine has never been accused of being humble no no i haven't but so so my history in the industry started in 2006 when my husband and I started a property management company called CPM Realty in Omaha, Nebraska. And we just put up the shingle and said, oh, we have a, we have a business here, you know. Um, I worked as a farmer rep to pay the bills while he started that business. And then we grew it to 2,000 doors and also had a um, maintenance company. And we rebranded in there to Wistar Group. Um, and then we recently, in November, sold that to pure property management. While we were doing that, we also came up with our company that we currently are running together called Anaquim. Anaquim started in 2008, um, for the most part, when we started hiring our friends from Mexico to work for Wistar Group. And then um, and it became a business in 2016, um, where our our friends were like, hey, this whole Mexico thing's working out really well for you. Can you do that for us? And it was like my side hustle. So I was working at Wistar half the day. Then at night, I'd work on Anaquim. And now we have 100, or I'm sorry, 800 um, employees at Anaquim working as virtual assistants in the property management industry and small and medium sized businesses. We also have a 24 hour call center for a rent manager. Um, and we also do accounting and back office work for rent manager clients as well. So it's been a whirlwind uh, adventure in business, but and my husband and I have always been, had this thing where one of us starts a business and then the other person follows and we kind of go back and forth and life happens in the middle, but it's definitely never been boring. So when I'm talking <laughs> about scalability, do you see what I mean here? Like this is the point. This is these. 
to, to, to grow any business and to grow in any industry, you have to surround yourself with people that have done it before, right? People that have had the same experiences already that you're about to have and help you plan for that so that you're not, you know, dragging your feet and making the mistakes and, and, you know, running into the same, you know, dead ends that everybody else has. So what was it like growing from starting a property management company to get to how many thousand doors did you say? We had 2,000 doors. 2,000 doors. Walk me through what that was like, what that was, how, how that ride went. So, I mean, the first thing is that we had a concept, and this is so long ago now, it doesn't even resonate, but we wanted, like, there was the property management is now so much more sophisticated than it was, but um, it used to be kind of considered, like, in the same used car dealership kind of, you know, landlord realm of business. So our CD is what we call that. A CD. <laughs> so our vision was take a shady industry and don't be shady. And then also we both came from technology backgrounds and corporate. And so we were like, well, let's just get technology in here and really automate things and make it completely transparent to the owner. So we had a vision that we were trying to accomplish at the beginning and really saw that through. We also starting from the ground up, we had our first employees and we gave them part ownership of the business, which really helped us you know, go through those uh, f- first stages of the business, having a lot of people giving 110% of their effort. Um, we made a lot of mistakes along the way. We hired the wrong people. We had drama. Um, we had crappy offices where you couldn't even stand up the whole like straight in them because they had really low ceilings. I mean, we went from like really low we took any piece of crap that had a roof on it and then over time we rebranded because we were thought of as like the the bad property management company and then when our processes were good and our procedures were down then we rebranded so we could get higher end stuff i mean we've just gone through the trenches really so not only am i major fangirling because i'm so happy that you decided to come on the show (laughs) um but i i think what's really important for the listener is to you know first understand well why are you having somebody who is really not in the management space necessarily and is sort of a vendor why why are you having them why are you taking my time to listen And, and here's why because one you have to look at your investments as a business. You have to look at every move that you make in those investments as a business move. Anybody that you hire to help, you know, increase your ROI, you know, a management company, you know, any sort of company that you hire or who's on your team, which Jonathan building and I, your team is yeah, like, yeah, those people are gonna make or break you. So we brought Gwen in today because she, Revolution, I'm I'm one of the owners of Revolution Rental Management and we are, we're in the middle of the same thing that Gwen has gone through in, in some of her businesses. You know, we're in the middle of growth mode and we're determined to make sure that we have continuity while growing. And that's the same thing that you need to do as an investor. Make sure that, you know, okay, well, I, my strategy is Burr, and then you get an opportunity to have this, you know, out that, I'm sorry, uh, value add property. Maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you're not in that position and you have to scale your business appropriately. So I, I want to take that and kind of tie all this together with exactly what you're going off of here. So when you're scaling um, property management businesses or you're scaling any business, you don't just take all the business that you can get. Maybe when you first start, 
Maybe you do. I know that we have. I, we have plenty of clients that just fell into our lap and we have them. Congratulations, us. We get to deal with them now. But it's great when you get to go out there and choose them. And that's the same thing for a real estate investor. Just because some wholesaler has thrown an address across your lap and maybe you can afford it, but it doesn't fit with what you're trying to do. You don't always, you don't take everything that shows up. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And I think it comes with confidence over time. So I do remember this critical moment where we shifted gears and decided that we don't need to be the low income property management company anymore. We had this building where um, we were kind of, we kind of became the cricket store. Do you know cricket phones where yeah, 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 yeah. it's like very retail and you you go into the store, you pay your bills for people who don't have like any credit or anything and you're just paying cash. We were kind of that thing where our, our doors were always open and it was just this revolving door of people paying cash who didn't have credit. And we decided we're going to lock our doors. We're not taking this. We're going to lose this building that pays a lot of bills and is a makes us a lot of money. And we're going to go after higher end business. And it was a huge thing for us because this this client, this business, and you know, you have those clients who are like, I have this dog over here, but then I have these nice buildings over here and you can't get the nice stuff without the dog. Well, what was it that, do you remember a specific point? Was it a, was it a specific bad property that you managed or yes. was it? Okay, tell me about it, that. Well, it, it was this. What was the experience that made you go, never again? Well, it was just the deciding who are we going to be. So yeah. it was a level 10 meeting with all the owners. And it was like, are we going to be this business where we just take any piece of garbage or are we going to have standards mm. and locking our doors and, and then improving the online experience was going to get us a different clientele because we were going to have an amazing website. We we're going to have everything online. And that current clientele didn't know how to use a computer, didn't have email addresses, yeah. you know. So um, we made that strategic decision and never looked back. But we had to really look at ourselves and be like, do we believe in ourselves enough to make this transition and to maybe make less revenue while we're building it? And we decided to do that. Okay. Now, so, Christine, I know you've had a similar decision process with for instance, the HOA piece, and kind of, kind of kind of taking focus away from that and redirecting it into, that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what your experience was like going through that and saying, yeah, I can do all these businesses. Yeah, that's a thing that I, I sure, I can operate it, but like, I don't, I don't wanna. Like, I wanna do something different. So, Walk me through that. Absolutely, so again, for for the listener, we're trying to, so Gwen's example of the dog property that really changed her mind as a business owner, we want you to not be the dog property. We really want you to think about your business. Like, is it, I, I, I don't want to break, I don't want to talk too much about that building in particular, but I'm sure that the owner, there was an opportunity for them to be more profitable and probably have a better product. Well, they had to ask themselves, is this really your legacy? Like, do you want yes. your legacy to be this really awful property that you're not putting money in? And they decided they did, which ended up 
not being good for them because they got in the news for that property later on. And it really did ruin their reputation. But I think those are discussions that we as property managers have to have with investors. Like, what does this say about you? Is this the legacy? And sure, this makes money, Mm -hmm. but maybe maybe we want to elevate ourselves. And just like business people, it's the same thing. And so when when we're talking about that, uh, and I don't want the listeners to, uh, you know, get a different depiction of this than than what I think we're all talking about here. We don't necessarily just mean that it's a low-priced property. We mean that it's a property that's not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And you can have a multi-million dollar property that's a dog, and you can have a $100,000 property that is a show dog or something that's that's a great trophy to stick on the mantle of, look, bought this property for $50,000, put 20,000 in it, it's running for 1100 and I take good care of it. There's a major difference between what we, as people in the property management industry, depict as dogs than what I think people that are just kind of taking steps into this industry thinking the same thing. It's not necessarily just price making it a dog or not, it's how well it's being maintained and operated of course and and back to your question you said you know tell me about what made you guys decide to get out of the hoa space um and it was a couple of different things we to gwen's point we wanted to redefine ourselves and focus on what we were really really good at and that's how we are scaling mm-hmm. so for the investor that we're, we're speaking to, to other business owners, set yourself up for success and set yourself up in a way that you're going to be able to scale that. If that means this is my first property and I'm going to turn away uh, something that doesn't fit in my strategy, then do it. If this means, you know, I'm going to open this little business and I am not really entirely sure how to put it together, so I'm just going to take whatever whatever I can, maybe that's not the best choice, you know, really sit down and think about how you can scale, pick, pick the main idea. And, and this is Gwen's also runs her company by EOS. It's really been a very helpful tool for us on having a vision, having a plan, having a five-year plan, 10-year plan, and knowing where you're going and being able to implement processes, procedures by department to get us to that goal. Well, I wanted to talk about EOS since you brought it up, just kind of, because I'm, I'm not, I know we, we work in EOS, so like we use an EOS system, but like, can we describe how EOS works for somebody that maybe hasn't I, read the book? I can. Please do, Gwen. Okay, because I'm obsessed with it. Go for it. <laughs> but basically, it's the cadence to ha- how your um, business is gonna operate. So the way that we got into EOS is I had a maintenance manager who was like, you set me up for, fa- for failure, I don't know what to do. And I looked at him and I said, there are no adults who are gonna solve your problem. We're the adults. And then I left that meeting so furious, I went to the bookstore to like get some inspiration, saw the book Traction, and then I, I started reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, Traction's the adult. It tells us the next step and how to do things. So it basically sets up a cadence of meetings and accountability so that you can move the objectives of your company and that vision that you set out at the front end forward. And so through utilizing the tools um, and that meeting cadence, you're way more likely to actually have your vision realized than if you don't have it. Does that seem like a... Oh, yeah. That's how we do ours. That's that's a really good 
description of that. And it, it goes back to strategy. It goes back to building your team. It goes back to make a plan before you just decide that you want to do this. Because if you just decide that you want to get into real estate investing. Well, and back to that one building, though. This guy, his plan really wasn't to take care of that building because mm-hmm. he liked just the cash it generated. But it wasn't a long-term strategy. So I'm sure you all want investors who are willing to play that long of game. Of course we are. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to play the long game, there are a lot of bad things that can happen. You can get on the news and have your main your name dragged through the mud. Um, and you can have accidents happen if you don't take care of your property. There are a lot of bad things that happen if you're not willing to take care of it. And so the reason that we separated ways is that we didn't have the same strategy. We're like, you have to maintain this property. And then when we said, we're not going to um, allow you like we, we can't be part of this ex- whatever this is anymore, and it wasn't just a few months, maybe maybe a year later that he was dragged through the mud. So it's just a cautionary tale. To sure, the money's great, but like you do have a moral obligation to take care of things we did and an take care on of being people. an ethical landlord a few weeks back, oh. which was specifically about don't be a slumlord. It's a, could have been a three-second episode. Don't be a slumlord. But also for just your investment. I mean, just for even as a business strategy, you want to be good because there are negative consequences. Well, we discussed, or well, I discussed on that episode about the slumlord practices are so short-term in the benefit. They don't last more than just a very, very short burst of like, oh, look, I can cash out right here. I can do that. But then once you start you know, adding in lawsuits and major, major maintenance issues that you didn't take care of because you just let it go. And oh, now look, you have mold and the roof is and you have the apart. city after you. And so yeah. that's that's the thing, the collateral effects. Yeah. So to the listener, the the reason it's important to have a strategy to listen to others who have already been there is let's let's talk about that building for a moment you have your name dragged through the mud it's going to affect your financing it's going to if you have a if you have a big enough name it could affect your insurability it's going to affect so many other things and any other deals you'd be able to put together Absolutely. like nobody wants to touch oh, that guy and the, there's in names the in the real estate industry that all of us could probably no name from our own markets to be like, yeah, if, they, if they're making. But you know, even I'm not, I'm not you guys are talking about going into other markets. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is Google someone's name and of find course. out about those. It, it follows you. You can't move into another market and have it not follow you. So let's talk about building a team. So we've talked about like step one to scale is build the strategy. It always is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what we talked about earlier in the podcast is you always have to build the strategy. Let's talk about team building. I think you're a great person to have on for talking about team building. So are you, because you hired me, Christine. So <laughs> congratulations, you did good at least once. Um, so let's talk about team building. What do you What are you looking for when to make sure that? How do you make sure that your goals align with this with the people that you want to do business with? And thank you so much. I love it. You're my favorite. So the goals align, I mean, I think setting up, knowing your own goals mm-hmm. and your own values ahead of time so that you can articulate those and see if it's a match is the first thing. If you don't okay. know yourself, you're not gonna be able to attract the right people that you either wanna work with or the team. Um, so being very clear on that. Um, additionally, I think having that cadence of how to manage someone, like if you're if you're really gonna scale, where things get dicey is when you're managing a manager. Because then 
there can be things that don't get passed on to the to the actual client's experience if you're not managing that manager well. And and so being very having a cadence of okay, we're going to have a level 10, we're going to have a one-on-one, these are your KPIs, expect the monthly report on time. Um, here are your quarterly goals. Are you making them? Are you not making them? Having the clarity of the expectation and then enforcing that those things actually get done and having accountability really creates the the essence like, hey, we're not messing around here. Like this is an amateur hour. And then that trickles down to the rest of the team. When you don't, when you get willy-nilly on those things that are important in terms of cadence and um, and also discipline, then that's when things start falling apart. Go ahead, Christine. So to that, on top of having the cadence, I think we're both mutually obsessed with kind of making sure you have the right fit for the role. You have to have the, the overarching plan. You have to have the short-term goal, long-term goal, and then you have to know who's going to really make that happen. So I mean, if it were up to me, and and I've done this, unfortunately, I would just hire all my friends, and I would overlook, you know, what their innate skill set is, and I just let's all just be friends and hang out, and that doesn't always work. You it does not. Know, no, no, it doesn't. You have to know where people are going to fit in, and this is where I I kind of love the you know the opposites attract. Todd, my business partner, complete opposite, total introvert, and I'm you know extroverted and kind of focus on the sales and is a delight yes of course (laughs) uh focus on you know the growth and development where he he's very operational and you know if people are never in it he's like yes so it's just knowing knowing all the pieces that you need to get to that goal is very very important it is but you can like my problem my quintessential problem that i always have is i think everybody like i love people and i'm so passionate about them and then when they get into my circle i'm like they could do anything and then i have in the past done the peter principle where you elevate people to their highest level of incompetence that's generally that my Walk me through that so like, let's say somebody is amazing with clients okay. and they're a customer service rock star. You're like, oh my God, you need to manage the customer service department. You are so good at this. And then you elevate them and they can't manage people and they either micromanage or undermanage or get lazy or it doesn't work. So then you've elevated them to their highest level of incompetence. Okay. And so this oh, is all it's very common in sales professionals yeah. where salespeople are amazing getting the deal but then as sales managers they totally are mediocre. Ooh. And I have I've done this a lot cuz I I truly love every I, there are very few people on this planet I don't like. I'm like the opposite of Todd. He doesn't like people. <laughs> I like love everybody. But um so that's been one of my problems is also as you scale, not everybody that got you there is going to get you to that next level because okay. people don't always grow at the same speed that your business is growing. So I have a very, I, I, I don't know how either of you are going to answer this question, but I'm, I'm very curious to know because I think it plays in with where we're heading here for our listenership are uh, real estate investors. So in in many cases they are looking to add to their team 
experts in something that they are not experts in. Have you ever had an experience of, I know that I am deficient in X, Y, or yes. Z, and I need to find an expert in something that I have no way to know, are they good at this or not? Yes. It's, it's, it's how to choose a property manager. It's how to choose a, a real estate expert. It's how to choose a lot of things. And if you don't even know how to do that, how do you find that person? What is that like? Okay. So I have two specific experiences. One is marketing. So I have historically before COVID, um, all of our business was through relationships. And even our property management company, we're in Omaha, we had kind of a market cornered. And so we hadn't had to really do big marketing. So when COVID hit and the conventions were over, struggled. So I knew I wasn't good at marketing. Marketing means so many different things to so many different people. So what I did was hire like a fractional CMO or chief marketing officer. And and so when I started the relationship, I'm like, you're a consultant. That means that this relationship's gonna start and it's gonna end. So I wanna talk through the fact that we're not gonna work together forever. And I wanna make sure you know like that I still want to be friends with you after when this engagement is over. So let's make the engagement for a certain amount of time and then we can go from there. But I mean, I can't hire you as a consultant forever. So being very clear on the front end of how long an engagement is, is helpful. And then getting that expertise so that you can gain the knowledge through working with a person has been helpful. The other thing is like we do have in uh, in-house um, computer programming because we're creating our own software. I don't know how to hire that person. So I did spend the money for a um, for a recruiter in that specific area. Okay. Um, I've also hired people I didn't really know and just try to see if it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, there are <laughs> lots of different ways to do it. So to, to what Gwen was saying about the the marketing, what was the title, marketing? It's a chief marketing officer, but on a fractional basis. The chief marketing officer. So what I've noticed in for investors specifically who are reaching out to our firm right now, there's a lot of syndications going on and there is, um, we know that a lot of those are value adds and they're coming to work with us for a period of time. There's a start date and there's an end date. And I think that, being very honest, knowledgeable, and transparent with them is helping us help them. So, you know, I'm like, well, why are you so concerned about the maintenance element if it's a value add? Oh, well, I wanna save some money. Okay, but when you refinance, the bank is going to look specifically on what you did to the property. Mm -hmm. So if you really wanna be out in five years, you need to have like that real deal conversation. And to your original question, which was kind of picking the right people, when when you don't have any idea, when you have no anyways, idea, yeah. so I'll 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 put an example to this. Um, so back when I was a property manager, I would have some very interesting feedback, and I remember it was one of my favorite clients who is actually still with us, and he he sat in my office and he had a little bit of her southern draw, and he's like, you know. I don't know anything about a Southern drill. Oh yeah, well, he's like, you know, sometimes I don't know that I really like you that much. And I was like, yeah, I've gotten that before. <laughs> he's like, but 
you really seem to know how to do this. And this is where I've we've had clients who they were maybe smaller or didn't really know what their real strategy was. And, you know, I, I was really trying to explain to them like the process and the procedures and kind of what that looks like. And then they would take their 15 or 20 units to a sales agent who was just really nice and cool and would let them do whatever they wanted to do. And we lost business because of that. And that is okay. That is perfectly okay. Because I think what that comes down to for the investor that's listening is if you're in that position, you're about to either make the mistake or you're about to um, decide where you want to go. Don't look at, don't look at it who you like, who you don't like, look at what purpose it's serving. And that goes for for us hiring. That goes for you hiring. That's just across the board. Well, I would also say, like with that developer, we didn't know what we were looking at. So we had a friend who's a developer. We're like, give, a, give them, whoever is applying, a small project. So from your investor's point of view, if they had a friend who was really successful in investing, it, in the interview when they're making their property management hire, that can be helpful. Or just even say, what questions should I be asking? I mean, maybe if you have a friend that you really trust, it can help you find the right match. Also, they may find when they go to the nice person who may not know as much, they'll come back to you. So you guys probably have the confidence We've had that. Yeah, where we- it's like, sure, go for it. Go go work with them and then you know when you're ready for xyz when you guys know yourselves and what you can offer when you're ready for this you know we're always here for you and so that that's kind of where i want to leave us here today um just on a final thought you might not always like who's on your team um it 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 may be difficult to reach out and find someone that that you want to be on your team that is always very difficult but when you find someone that knows way more than you and then can prove it mm-hmm. and then can prove it with not just here it is on paper, but show you in your own profits and your own returns. Look how good I've done with this. You might not like me, but I can make you scale. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of team member that you need to go from. I'm comfortable with my five to ten little properties to now I have a hundred plus properties that are really paying for me to just work full time in this. And that's that's what I think a lot of people's goals are. But it starts with build the strategy, understand what you're trying to pull off. What you what are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to accomplish a 10 property strategy for just ancillary income to just sit there? That's that's fine. That's 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 a strategy and you can build that and then you can find the kind of people that that operate with that. Or are you trying to build some quick, fast scaling, I'm going to build a ton of equity very quickly, and this is how we've got to operate it. That's a different strategy. You've got to understand people that can scale with you there. And then it's got to grow from that with the right team that knows what they're doing. For the first time that you put someone in there that doesn't know what they're doing, it's going to fly off the rails. Mm -hmm. And just ask the people if you're going to build a big uh, real estate portfolio. Are these the people who are going to help me build this financial legacy with rental properties? Mm-hmm. And I think people, even if you don't know the nuts and bolts of property management, you can get a pretty good gut check of is this person just nice, big hat, no cattle, 
Or is this somebody that really understands what they're doing and has the knowledge, the the time in the industry, the know-how, boundaries to make sure that they're thinking about your property. Um, those are the things that you want to know, and that's the gut check. I think I think we really said it all. I think you start out with a vision, and if if scale means that you want to have ten properties, align yourself with your whoever you choose to help you do that. Align yourself so that you can scale it to that 10 properties. If that means you want 100 properties, then align yourself with someone who's gonna help you scale to get to that point and not make as many mistakes as others. You know, I I think that's really the takeaway from this. No, I agree. And I wanna thank everyone for listening and watching today. Make sure that you like and subscribe and come back um, in two weeks when uh, we'll have another episode. Thank you all so much.